Hey. Hey, buddy. Second episode. Episode number... We made it. Dose, yeah. Um, what is today's date? Oh, that's a good question. It is April 17th. Three days until 420. Yeah, Laser. I don't think that's how history is going to remember this date. So. <laughs> the intro song, we're singing along, drinking beer and talking about politics. Uh, Henry and Hops, politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have a brew, maybe just three or two, perchance discover new shit that we never knew. So come along. That's the end of our song. Yeah. Oh. That actually is the end of... That's it. Uh, we just talk culture and shit. How about beer? Let's do beer. I'm going to pop this, but I'm also going to give a little trigger warning right now. I'll ready to do this. Uh, for any like uh, pro-Trump uh, listeners, if we do have any. <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> well, if we do, uh, we this... should have them on next episode. That'd be amazing. Well, I just think I'm going to... I might be a little less uh, bipartisan than our last episode... Uh, so just a, that's a warning at the front may not trigger it uh, might be important. triggering for all the right-wing snowflakes out there um so i have this uh prairie artisanal uh nice. i brought these up last time briefly that i had bought a, a few at the this uh, market for cheap um and i this one is a 22 ounce uh, it's called prairie ace it's a dry hopped farmhouse ale nice um What's it hopped yeah, it's with? It's got a very clean finish. That is a good question. I should look that up. Sriracha uh, Ace. You know what? I'll look that up when I get back. But here's the thing. Because it's a 22 ounce, I'm splitting it with my wife. So I have to deliver one of these two beers I just poured to her. And mm-hmm. then I will be back. And I will uh, look up what the hops were. Well, in the meantime, we'll talk should, about I talk about, should I talk about what I'm drinking yeah, in the meantime? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Now you talk. Ugh, let me just give this a crack. Oh, yeah, that's a freshie. That's a freshie. So I think this was canned, yeah, April 6th. So pretty fresh. Could be a little fresher, but I'm not going to complain, considering that it came all the way from the East Coast. Um, So if you remember, last week I was drinking an oldie but a goodie, our old friend um, Pliny the Elder. And I said, back to basics, and you said that that was a pretty coveted beer in other parts of the country. So I decided I'd mix it up and have another oldie but a goodie, another classic kind of exemplary standout style, a beer that everyone knows and loves. Um, You know, just an old friend, an everyday drinker. Um, It goes by the name of Hetty Topper from Vermont. You may have heard of it. Oh, man. <laughs> Are you going to send me some? Mm. Where did you even like get that? It was in my local beer store, actually. Um, I didn't even know they sold that at beer stores. In, uh, like I thought it. it was like almost exclusive to the Northeast. Well, um, so about two, one and a half years ago, they started getting a super limited distribution to San Francisco in mid to late February for beer week. So I had some last year, it was the first time I ever saw it for sale um, in in distribution. It was in fucking Whole Foods, man, in uh, San Francisco. And then last this past February, the same thing. Um, so I've seen it a couple times here and drank it a bunch. Um, spoiler alert, it's like really good, right? But it's same with same with Pliny. It's like not as good as it should be considering all the bullshit around it. It's a really good beer. Well, it's, but... It has even more bullshit around it than Pliny. And I don't mean that it has because bull- it's, I mean, yeah, I think it it's like... because it's it's essentially started the trend. Like mm-hmm. there were hazy IPAs before that and there are hazy IPAs after that. But I feel like the hazy IPAs after that are all influenced by what that was. Which is funny. And I'll get into that in a moment. But anyhow, um, so it's funny because uh, I was reading recently, so so Alchemist in in Vermont who sells and makes Hetty Topper, they, you know, they do gangbusters at their shops. They think they have like two spots, and they distribute to uh, bars and restaurants and stores throughout Vermont. But until last month, that was pretty much it, with exceptions, one-offs for beer weeks. They used to get down to Philly every once in a while, but super inconsistent. Yeah. Same with San Francisco. 
And so I was reading that, I mean, their demand through their existing uh, outlets, right, essentially dried up. Didn't dry up, but like you can't go wait in line at their fucking brew pub anymore and buy it. So they uh, hooked up with, I think it's called uh, Night Owl. Don't quote me on this, but Night Owl, uh, which is a, a brewery. Uh, outside of Boston and they have their own distribution arm called like Night Owl Distributioning or Distributing. The company is actually called Night Shift and Night Shift Distributing. And so they started distributing them all through Massachusetts. I just saw um, um, Monk's Cafe, which is the preeminent beer bar in um, Philadelphia, which we've talked about. Uh, initially, we thought we could get the owner and founder, Tom Peters, on this podcast because uh, I told him we were doing it, and he said, well, there's nothing better than uh, having a beer and talking about politics and religion. But then I never followed up. So Anyway, Hetty Topper is widely known as one of the best IPAs in America. And it's, it's yeah, more, more importantly, it's like the beer that is credited with starting the hazy New England-style IPA. And a lot of times when you're buying yeast, um, you'll notice that a lot of the yeast manufacturers have a have a strain that's called like Vermont ale yeast, and it's that's generally the reason why. But here's something funny, if if I may, and I've probably said this before on this podcast for all you diehard listeners out there. And sorry, Dad, you've heard me say this a million times. But like initially, the reason that Hetty Topper is somewhat hazy meaning opaque is because it's unfiltered and unpasteurized so there's some sediment that makes it into the can right which is also why he says drink from the can yeah the last sentence on his paragraph description in the back is this beer is perishable and it's best when it's young fresh and hazy keep it cold but not ice cold drink this beer immediately we're always making more john kimmich so um it's hazy because it's unpasteurized and unfiltered. It's not hazy because of anything particularly special or different from a typical IPA, West Coast, or otherwise in the malt bill, right? Um, and the malt bill meaning like what uh, fermentable sugars you're using. And basically, immediately after the style took off, everyone started um, doing something different to achieve a hazier appearance and mouthfeel even than what Hetty Topper has, which actually isn't terribly yeah, hazy. Sometimes adding lactose and- Lactose uh, is the most extreme form, but every hazy IPA pretty much on the market um, uh, modifies their malt bill to include flaked oats and or um, like wheat, right? Yeah, like basically, like a lot of these, a lot of these basically are like hoppy wheat beers. Yeah, and then I've I've read there are actually artificial things too that are added in to make the cloudier appearance, like flour. Yeah, exactly. But it depends on the uh, it depends on the company. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus for that. But uh, it's there's certainly a lot of styles out there. I think the ones that that uh, that achieve the prominence of an alchemist still use that process primarily, though. I don't think so. Pretty much every actual hazy IPA that like markets itself as a hazy IPA, which notably Hetty Topper does not, uses oats and or wheat at least a little bit in their malt bill. And it's fine. I mean, the other beer that I'm going to have tonight is from Alvarado Street Brewing, which I fucking love. And they're from Salinas and Monterey, uh, just south of here a little bit. And they're like, they make some of the best hazies in California and... They definitely do that. By the way, as I should have known because of the name, uh, this uh, Prairie Ace is dry hopped with Sriracha Ace, of course. That's what I call That's what I said, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is pretty good. Uh, it's uh, it, it's got it's got quite a hop kick. It's The thing is like the, the base is like a very sugary uh, Saison. Right. Which isn't bad on itself. Like it's a it's a nice um, like very Belgian feel. But with the hops, it's kind of disorienting a little bit. Like I... I like it, and I would definitely, I, I could drink this whole bottle by myself, but I think that would be the limit. Like, I wouldn't want to drink more than, you know, one and a half, two beers of it. Because it's, like, kind of just, like, bitter on top of sweet and not in a way that comp is complimentary. It just seems like a lot of extremes, you know? It's got this extreme Belgian uh, sugary yeast bottom and then this hoppy 
refreshing top at the end so it's like the bitter acid right at the end and it just it just feels like a lot like it's an experience it's not something i would want to drink every day for sure all right well before we leave the beer section uh how is the uh clone coming along any updates oh dude i i need to keg it which is i think is exactly where i was last time it's pretty embarrassing i don't even want to talk about it but i just <laughs> having the time to like go and sanitize a keg and then pressure it pressurize it and do it and just setting that aside i mean i'm really struggling with just the work like work-life balance working from home and just drawing a line and always being a little online and a little offline constantly yeah is really challenging and so i'm never i'm probably not giving my work 100 percent, and i'm definitely not giving my family 100 percent. um if anything i think i'm probably giving my work more than my family just because i'm I fall back into this old mentality of like, you're working from home, you really got to prove yourself. And it's like, everyone's working from home. This isn't you just taking a lazy day. Like literally, this is everyone working from home. So I tend to respond to emails like really quick, like way quicker than I need to. And I'm sure if any of my coworkers are listening, they'll they'll think about the emails that I haven't done that to, which there are also many of those. Um, yeah, but- you're, giving, you're giving your life... N- over a hundred percent and you can't make that one percent for your beer to keg it you're giving your beer less less than like 5.5 percent of your life right now exactly although that the 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 upside is that it's just it's just in my in my pantry just getting slightly more alcoholic every day so it's not the end of the world it's also getting that could be a dangerous uh equation and the hops are getting less fresh, right, too, because they're probably getting slightly oxidized and everything else like that. So It's going to be interesting how this tastes in your comparison with Pliny because of all those factors. Like, I wonder if uh, it's going to be super off or it'll still taste similar. It's going to be way off. <laughs> That's my guess. Um, totally. I'll, I'm excited for that comparison day. I, I'm going to keg it tomorrow. This is a commitment I am making to you, to our many, many listeners, and to myself and i will do that and i will try it on air next week when we record right, we're gonna two. we're gonna hold you to that so everyone uh who's listening uh if you know hunter text or find him on do you have a twitter hunter actually tweet at our at our henry and hops yeah. thing and, and just, we have uh, a new instagram account inspiration for hunter to actually keg his beer the only problem is that I might run out of CO2, <laughs> in which case then it won't happen. But I'll try it flat, well, I guess. Well, anyway, uh, first part, uh, how's quarantine? Ugh, I don't know. It's hard. I don't think anything's really happened since last time. <laughs> you know, it's the same old shit. Well, I like I, what you said was was uh, was interesting in terms of your work to life balance. I mean, that's, we can just include that in this part, you know? yeah and, yeah um, it, it's just it's just it's hard man it's hard to feel like you're it's just it's it's inherently guilt inducing for me and i think there's always been this specter of like this low hum of always being a tiny bit worried that i'm gonna lose my job which i do think is subconscious based on losing my job many times in the past but now is kind of amplified based on so many people losing their jobs that I do feel very fortunate to have a job. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it makes me like, I don't know. And my, my work has been really uh, good at just recognizing and communicating that if you need, like you need to respect work-life balance and because like, just because you're home, it doesn't mean that you can't engage with your home life during from nine to five. Like it's inherently natural to, play with your daughter or 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 do some chores through the course of the day and in fact probably like you're gonna go crazy if you don't um so i'm still i'm still figuring that shit out and trying to make sure that i'm being productive while also not just sitting in front of my computer screen waiting for an email to come through so i can respond to it super quickly so i'm getting better i'm still not perfect um yeah i think as somebody who who Often, like I've I, in the past, I've worked from home. I would say fifty percent of the time, I'm out of the house doing like film or theater work, uh, where I'm actually on a set or I'm in a production or like I'm in a show or you know whatever. Then the other half, I'm at home doing like video editing, 
and writing and that kind of stuff. And I feel like what I've done in this quarantine is less that I've had to really adjust my production and just more that I've done 100% of the one thing and 0% of the other. So it's like, for me, the methodology of the whole thing, like the idea of like having working from home, that was always a thing. So it's not really changed the way that I work. Uh, my schedule's changed a bit because I don't have to worry so much about scheduling around the things outside of the house. Right. Uh, in, in which case, I've been a little bit more free to schedule and stay up really late or like do something really dumb in the middle of the workday where I'd like take a break to play a video game or watch a movie or something where normally I would have just kept working because I had to because I had this other deadline. Mm-hmm. So I have, a, I have a quick gear to grind about, uh, about something in quarantine. Yeah. Which is about uh, social distancing in parks. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And people specifically. And I don't mean to take shots at families, but I'm sorry. This is a lot of like, it's a lot of families with like younger kids. Fucking families, like man. Gen Z kids. I'm taking, this is me. Remember last episode you said I would never be the old man yelling at the park like, hey, mm-hmm. get out of here, you pugs. That's me now. I do feel like that's me now. When I'm walking out in a park and somebody's like not even trying to move over, you know, like you're making all the effort. You're going out of the path entirely and they're just standing in the middle of the road like it's a normal day. <sighs> driving me crazy amateur hour man can't deal amateur hour yeah and it's like or like families where like there's like a six year old running around who's like clearly not doesn't know what's going on and is not under control and it's just like runs up to people in the park and like that's you know under normal circumstances that's totally fine right now that's it's probably not okay maybe even cute not cute right now oh it's very stevie normally very fuck out of there stevie um yeah i don't i don't really seen that but i totally hear you and it's just i'm listening to a lot of things about like how do you you know how do you talk to your kids about this right they're not oh excuse me oh my goodness i had some i had some spaghetti i hope that one gets in i had some spaghetti and uh homemade homemade bolognese for for dinner i think that contributed to my rumbly tumbling that sounds good um yeah, it's it's that's kind of only somewhat related, but I think while you do want to be able to like, obviously your kids should know what's going on. You also don't want to just like bring them into your fear or paranoia or just like rule following so much. I don't know. I I'm glad that Hazel is only a year because this would be so much harder if she was even two and a half or certainly anything over that where where it's just it's like but why daddy like why can't i see my friends you know why can't we just do what we've been doing and i don't know from her perspective how much difference and and that's the thing is like i i'm not judging the people who are doing that i'm just saying please don't do that because i understand the mentality I know that if I was 17 right now, I was a really dumb 17. Oh, God. Can you even imagine? Well, I just mean, like, I don't know that I would be practicing proper (laughs) social distancing rules if I felt like I was that immortal senior in high school who had... I had crazy ideas about, like, what life was... What the important things in life were. And I get get people making dumb decisions right now. What did you think were the most important things in life? Probably best not to talk about. <laughs> okay. As for our other podcasts, bad decisions in college and high school and their fallouts. Joshy. Oh, is this an episode of bad decisions of col- in college? No, no. Thank goodness. That that uh, is always re-traumatizing when I listen to that show. I was going to say we could play a theme song for that. <laughs> bad decisions in college. They seemed good at the time, but they weren't. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking about that one time that we threatened the dude who cashed a cashed a check of mine that wasn't writ, uh, written out to him that I lost, and we went in there trying to like strong arm it, and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling that story the other day. And I was just like, I was such a scrawny little idiot. All right, well, let's move on from that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the other thing I was gonna say <laughs> is that I've definitely been losing uh losing track of time which i kind of mentioned earlier but i've started to like sleep random hours like i feel like some nights what? i'll be up till like 10 p.m and then some nights i'm up to like four or five in the morning and i know that doesn't happen as much with you with uh 
with Hazel probably, but I feel like no, not at all. Like, but st- days yeah, I can, I can, are irrelevant. I can re- I can react to that. That's crazy. That is absolutely fucking insane. Um, I keep a very regular schedule, um, and that's another reason that I'm very fortunate for being able to work from home because man, like, I know exactly what day it is. If not the date, um, but I know what day of the week it is, and I know how many days till the weekend it is. And uh, okay, uh, other things that have been happening, I've been reading way less news than I usually do. I don't know if that's happened with you, where I like, I used huh. to read so much about what's going on, uh, even in the early days of this crisis, and in the last week or two, I feel like I've been doing less of that, mostly because I feel like I have very little control over what's happening. Um, versus before okay. you felt like you had a lot of control I felt like I had more control I felt like if, the, if, if there were things that I could do to at least educate or talk to people about things that would help uh, with our policy decisions and with our ability to react appropriately to this uh, whereas yeah. like now I feel like it's we, we're doing everything we can do right now outside of making more testing and uh, the main thing is like not to let up now and so I feel like anyone who doesn't know that is really not paying attention or they're paying attention to the wrong sources and trying to fight them on that seems really pointless to me at this point. So I'm just kind of waiting. Yeah, certainly at this point. Um, so you, uh, we both, uh, since the last episode, did Zoom Passovers, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. How did yours go? Um, I'm just going to crack my, my next beer. Alvarado Street Riot Punch Double IPA. Solely hopped with citra, with, a, mm, with you know what the tasty. yeast is called what? The yeast strain, Vermont ale, like I was saying. Um, anyhow, my um, my Passover was was pretty good. Um, it was pretty brief, only because we started very early at like close to five. But um, my my one year old is is pretty patient, all things considered. But after an hour and fifteen minutes or so. Of like even sitting in her chair, not eating. Although she got to eat, I think before all the rest of us. It's just it's just hard. It's also hard when she's looking at a grid of like you know. Well, let me tell 10, you two things people. that will make you feel a lot better about that. Because first, our Passover when we do it in person lasts less than an hour. The actual ceremony part. Wait, really? Yeah, because what we did. Well, first of all, now when I was a child, we used to sometimes use a children's cigata because my family is that reform. And then when... Well, we like to make our own. Well, that's what... I was going to say, we have our own now, but it's like 40-something I would love to see it. Um, It's not... It's definitely not... Like 42, something like that. Still pretty aggressive. But not not, like 200. Yeah, it's not not super... I would say it lasts like 45 minutes, maybe an hour, uh, when all's said and done. And the other thing is my dad... short. My dad will eat through the whole ceremony. So even even with all that, oh, he like don't give that, a fuck. Yeah, he, he he during this one on Zoom. It was, it, the thing is, like the my complaints about the Zoom Passover was that we didn't have. Well, the one thing that was different than most years, we didn't have the right food exactly because I'm not going to go out and buy other things. So I'm gonna just go with what I have for for like the bone. I just had bone broth there. It's not a great option, but it's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems fine. It's bones in the name. Yeah. Exactly. There's bone in it, you know, piece of bone. There's there's marrow. I mean, stuff. yeah. Uh, so our my complaints about the Zoom Seder was that besides the plate being slightly inaccurate, was that everyone was kind of talking over each other. We weren't really going over the story that much because we were so busy trying to figure out what was happening. And my dad was eating through the whole thing. But in a lot of ways, that's like real. Was Seder. he at least muted? Uh, no, no, my dad. No, is my mom mostly because because yeah. my mom and my dad are on the same side, obviously. So my mom's reading from the passage. Well, my dad's on the other side eating. <laughs> on the other side of the computer screen. On the other side of the table, and sometimes my mom will pan to him, and he's supposed to answer, and he forgets where <laughs> we are in the ceremony, and then like picks up his agata, food. <laughs> picks, exactly, <laughs> picks up where we're supposed to be, and just starts reading the section. What was that? Oh, uh, this night what is page? different than all the other nights. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, very exactly. different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. That makes me so happy. It's that time of the night. You've eaten dinner. You've put your daughter away to bed. That is. Don't worry, she's fine. 
You've cleaned up the kitchen, been a good husband, and now it's time for the great reward. You're going to unload your bowels. You're sitting down, you're about to crush some candies. All of a sudden, you look to your left, you look to your right, you notice that there's no toilet paper. Your fucking roommate, Steve, swore up and down. Why do you have a roommate and kid? Wow, dude. You take a break and you ask yourself, why doesn't my wife and the mother of my child know about Steve? But then again, you think to yourself, it's probably just as well. You've held off this long, probably shouldn't tell her about Steve now. Anyhow, Steve made some lofty promises about going to Costco, going to Whole Foods, going to Trader Joe's, making an order on Amazon Prime right now. But guess what? He didn't do shit. And he did not get toilet paper. You're fucked. You could do two things. You could finish pooping, and you could scoot across the kitchen room floor. So instead, you bought a tushy. It sprays warm water up your butthole after you poop. That's pretty much what it does. Tell you what, right now, that seems like a revelation. No, a revolution. Because who are we kidding? You got six rolls of toilet paper left in your basement. You don't even have a fucking basement. Tushy.com slash Henry Hops. Tushy is not a real sponsor of Henry Hops. This is a parody ad. Any ability to use code as presented is by accident and purely coincidental. So the economy. What is it? That's why we're here, to talk about the economy. This is a podcast that is theoretically about politics and beer, but we named it after an economist, right? Well, he was many things. One of his many things was an economist, but he's also a mayoral candidate and a reporter in his earlier years. And a husband and a father. That's true. I don't actually know those things. I'm just <laughs> I didn't know if he had kids. Yeah, well, he has a kid because remember I have that letter from Henry George Jr., his son, with a copy of his signature. That's right. That's right. So we're talking today about the U.S. economy and what's going on both presently in the U.S. economy, what we're projecting for the next few months, and what's going on for the next few years. Now, we are not experts on the subject. Hunter is more of an expert than I am because he had an economics background in college. <laughs> well, I think now we're all even because that was over a decade ago. I, I don't know about that. I st- I'm just saying, like, in terms of qualifications, you have some, I have zero. I was a theater major. It doesn't really apply to this. Well, you know what? Economics, as they say, is kind of theater, you know? I don't know who says that, but I love it. Economics yeah, I is Friedman. the theater of the mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, what do you what do you so, got? All right, so right now, let's talk about what's happening right now. Right now, the stock market is rising on the prospects of America opening. But I don't know if that's actually a good thing economically, because first of all, do you think America will actually open early? Well, I think that that question is just also like, what do you mean America? It's all based on states and localities, so it's impossible to answer that question. I mean, a lot of this is going to be impossible to answer. I guess my large question is, do you think the large populace of America will be living without quarantine in the next month, as the stock market seems to indicate? And my fear about this whole thing is twofold. First, that the stock market is wrong. In which case, if the stock market's wrong, then all these gains are pointless. Everything that's rising in the stock market, not that I have a lot invested in the stock market, but just the idea of what it indicates about the economy, that our ability to perceive what's going to happen is falsely optimistic, right? Yes. Or alternatively, it's correct, and then we're going to open too early, and what that will do to the death toll and hospital issues and health insurance and wouldn't it negatively affect restaurants if there were breakouts, etc.? cetera? Uh, like what that does to the economy in the long term, I think is is equally bad, maybe probably- Worse. Yeah, probably exponentially worse. Yeah, And so yes. I guess I'm saying uh, the stock market gains seem bad to me either way, because if they're based on reality, I'm scared about that reality. If they're based on a false narrative, I'm scared that that false narrative is being pumped to them. Well, let me give you my two cents. So, number one, um, just laid out there, it's definitely better from a scientific perspective to maintain the current strategy for probably at least one more month, maybe two, maybe more. That's just fact. Um, the second well, thing at least is, until we have enough testing, number one, which we which we don't have. Both tests and antibody tests um, to figure out who already has it, and if there is 
indeed some type of immunity once you've had it, which we don't even know yet. So anyhow, all this is to say an indice, a stock market indice cannot predict the future of a virus. So forget about that line of thinking, but think more along the, the fact of that the stock market, I think it's now lower than, like I wish I could see what the S&P was at, but basically it's lower than it's been in, you know, 10 plus years, right? So it's it was very low, so it has a great day, it just means that it's making up some of the gigantic fucking monumental losses that happened over the last month. Yes, you know, but I've heard that those tied that those that those gains were tied to feelings that things like liberate Michigan or liberate Virginia were going to happen. Well, that just goes. And that to may show, be false. Uh, that might be a false narrative. That might be itself. might be true or might be false, but I think that just goes to show how short term profits like that might be gotten from opening up an economy a state economy uh early earlier than not but prematurely and then suffering a gigantic backlash in the medium long term like it's just that we're not currently set up and it's not the best example i'll admit but it's like we're not currently set up as an economy to deal with the collective good of everyone. It's just it's similar with climate change. It's a little bit it's a bad analogy, but it's they're both things that individually we you know it hurts us. But if we all engage in some self sacrifice, then the the benefits are greater than the sum of the um, challenges. Right? Does that make any sense? I yeah, think I think I think it's a lot idiot. like no, I I agree. I think it's a lot like war rationing. Uh, that this is a time when we we have to make sacrifices economically for the health of citizens that will and pay off it will pay off economically in the long run to make those sacrifices in the short term but the but the stock market is not built for that indication and so like this gain in the stock market scares me not because i think that there shouldn't be gains in the stock market but because it's if it's based off of a false narrative that's that scares me for multiple reasons well, it just yeah, exactly. Like polluting the earth can lead to stock gains if certain companies like find new oil, right? Like <laughs> yeah, uh, no, uh, stock gains can always be tied to things that are bad for humanity. That's that's not what I'm I'm not arguing that. I'm just trying to to talk about like that to me is what's happening right now when I'm looking at the economy. Uh, everything's pretty much been stagnant since uh, this started in terms of it's been mostly downhill climb for the stock market unemployment's rising etc cetera, etc cetera. but today we saw these gains but it scares me what they were based on because gains based on a you know some sort of innovation would be one thing but gains based on the idea of liberating economies in different states scares me that's yeah that's really sinister actually yeah yeah, and it's, it's sinister because now those gains are real, so there are people who are going to lose money on that and feel like they're losing because of something that was never a possibility to begin with if we stay in quarantine. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, so the other thing I was thinking about when we were talking about like the impact for the next few months is the increased unemployment, which I feel like is the big issue. And that's an issue that's very personal for me, obviously, because I'm unemployed. But I think it's also like an issue across the board is like how do people keep paying rent and how to keep paying for utilities when they're not making money right uh, and how do unemployment yeah. offices that don't have enough money supply money for these people so the numbers just came out i think yesterday about what the uh the most recent unemployment claims were and it was something like 22 million americans have filed unemployment fed in a, uh, across the country in the last four weeks it's a little under a month i think that's true uh call me out if i'm wrong but like like that is a giganto like absurd huge proportion of the overall working population right it's that's a huge strain on both on all three people obviously the person that is unemployed the company that laid them off or fired them because they're still paying that they paid that unemployment they're not getting reimbursed and then the state for doing that so in Germany, they have a program. It's got a fun German name. 
So Germany, uh, instead of paying out the unemployment claims, which generally pays you like, you know, three quarters or something, one half to three quarters of what you were making, right, at your previous job, uh, based on an average of a couple months. So Germany pays you and you're still, or pays your, 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 your employer and you still stay employed. So you're still an employee, you are making less, you're not working during this time period, right? So you still get paid the same that you would for unemployment, but you're basically furloughed. So you're paid furloughed, but the government's providing the subsidy for the paycheck. Right, so it's the same system. We just don't, it, it uses two things that would help in the efficiency of what we're experiencing now. One thing is that all these people don't have to be fired and then rehired just so that they can claim these benefits. Because it's because a waste think of time about just everyone. the logistical hurdle that both of those present: hiring and firing twenty two million people. Yeah, like think, so much maybe paper. they're not all fired. Some, no, but somebody has to yeah, process those papers. Absurd. It's it's a it's an absurd waste of and time for everyone. They're not there. all going to go back to their. They're all not going to go back to their previous jobs because also think about it. Right, the government's paying for all of your payroll. At least it's sixty percent. Like you don't have to worry about payroll and so you might be able to not like shut down your restaurant forever because so many of these restaurants are already closing for good right so like it's the same amount of money it just gets to the it just cuts out this like horrible process of basically laying people off or firing them yeah and then the other the other issue uh in terms of the efficiency is it gives you people who can dole out the money because right now one of the big problems they're having is these unemployment offices just don't have enough people to run the unemployment office for all the claims that oh yeah so like that would be it cut out of the that equation to the entirely. business owners yeah they again, already have that process in place. The problem with yeah. this is that it implies, Fuck. like, again, uh, it's a, it seems more like a form of socialism than the social support network that we've already created. It's like creating new problems for Republican ideals or conservative ideals. Yeah, and it's funny because pragmatically it's better for everyone. Like, this analyst was like, well, that's a, it's a win-win-win. As Michael Scott would say. Uh so besides unemployment, one of the big things happening is that we're having, like you were talking about, restaurants are shutting down, business, small businesses are shutting down every day because they can't afford their payments on either a, a loan or a, a rental or whatever it may be. Obviously, they're not making as much money as they were if you're in, let's say, 70% of the industries that were around before. And so a lot of small businesses are being shut down. And yeah. there was a fund that was set up that I think was three hundred fifty billion dollars that was allocated for uh, small yep. businesses that are that was gone in like a second, right? It's gone. Yep, it's already gone. Yep. And and I read somewhere, I think it was from the Fed today that they said that we're going to need like five hundred billion a month just to support small businesses, and that's just for small yeah. businesses, not unemployment, etc. Um, yeah. Like I, you know, even as somebody who supports the quarantine i don't know how that's tenable in the long run for the u.s economy like do we like how much debt do you think we can go in or is debt a totally arbitrary thing right now because other countries are also going in debt and this is like a just a fight that everyone's going through so on a global level it's irrelevant oh man so many good questions thank you for your questions so those are great points and let me start at the top and work my way back so yes, debt's irrelevant, it doesn't matter. This is the Great Depression 2.0. It's different in every way except for the scale um, that it has, that it will, once we're done with this looking backwards, uh, have wreaked on the American economy. And, I, and like, I feel like people like kind of know this, but I find the narrative hilarious when we're talking about, oh, is it a recession, you know? <laughs> Maybe that was last week or the week before, right? That wasn't really like right now. Uh, I think people are generally recognizing that it's a recession. But it's a fucking depression, man. It's a depression. It's a depression. It's a depression. I've seen it come up people, maybe Nobody wants times. to use the D word. It's scary. But, I mean, it, but like, I don't think people understand what it means. I also don't think that there's a clear definition of what's the difference. It's more of like a feeling. It's like porn, you know? So I think yeah I think when people think depression they think bread lines and you know soup they think fucking uh, uh, what do you call it the little little things that roll by on a dusty highway 
<laughs> I don't think about that. Uh, what I think about is those dust weeds. I know it, was it dust weeds? Uh, tumbleweeds, no. tumbleweeds, tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds. <laughs> Sorry. But I, what I think what? about is is people carrying wheelbarrows of cash to pay for like uh, a can of tuna or something. You know, like I remember those. Was that in from America? Germany, Did we have inflation? No, that like was in that? Germany. Yeah. No, no, in Germany, uh, pre like uh, pre rise of Hitler, there was people who were wandering around with like these, like I said, wheelbarrows of cash. Uh, that they would have to pay for like basic groceries, and that's what I imagine when I think depression. Well, I think that's a very that's the inflationary type of uh, depression. I mean, that's I think that's why people are scared of using the word. Is all I'm saying is that I think people conjure up a lot of uh, depressing images. I mean, dude, we're already giving ourselves haircuts, right? Like, no, you're right. <laughs> I mean, we're there. We're there. I agree. This isn't a recession. This Lifestyle. isn't going to come back. Things are not going to be the same when they do come back. Society will be changed for a little while at least. Hopefully it's a short while. As we keep saying, it's a temporary thing. It's not going to be years. This is going to be a matter of months. But at the same time, like hopefully it's like we find a drug and it's like four or five months and not 12, 15 months. I mean, the real problem is that like whether or not he gets reelected or this is able to spin positive or negative ultimately, which it's just insane that... Um, the administration has botched this so entirely and there's even a question of whether or not it's net good or bad for him in his re-election chances like yeah it's it, it's I give up you know it could really fucking go either way which is just like think if you just take a, like a half a step back it's like there's a global pandemic and the president utterly failed in the in, in the, all of all of the ways that mattered when it came to preparing and then responding and continuing to respond to it months later. Yeah, if it were it any like, other president, this would be over. The, the reason that it's not is because of the way that Trump spins things and the way that he controls his specific sect of the media and the way that the Republican Party uh, embraces him. Like we've never we have never had a leader like this. Um, and speaking of Trump, what's going on with that $500 billion Trump slush fund that was supposed to have independent monitoring? Anybody got eyes on that? What was that? Well, so there was this $500 billion fund that was approved as part of the $2 trillion coronavirus relief uh, fund. And one of the things that originally was not supposed to have any oversight, and Trump said, don't worry, I'll be the oversight. And everyone was like, no, that's not cool. And so the Democrats really pushed to get oversight on it. And there was supposed to be an independent watchdog. And then Trump eliminated one of the positions that's supposed to be the independent watchdog on this uh, budget. Yeah. And this was like yeah, it makes sense. a few, maybe like a week ago. And then it's kind of disappeared from the papers. Like I saw Elizabeth Warren write a thing about like how we can maybe monitor the slush fund. But I feel like we've already forgotten about it because the money that's going to be allocated after this is so grandiose. Like we're talking trillion, like we said, $500 billion a month. 500 billion in unemployment we're talking like a trillion dollars a month at least you know that kind of thing so his 500 billion are we just gonna let that go is he allowed to steal 500 billion he and his cronies yeah pretty much i just mean in like any other time period that's that is the putin move like that is the kind of thing where we're like you're stealing the whole government's worth of money right now we're just spending so much that it seems like it seems like a, a drop in the hat, you know, drop in the bucket. Well, that's what I was going to say is that it, it's the le- it's the worst possible timing because of who's in charge. Because, like, there is a lot of money that needs to be spent just by definition when it comes to, like, jumpstarting an economy basically from scratch. But, like, given that essential green light, like, it's really easy to probably, quote, like, lose or misspend, you know, a couple billion easy no like no problem and so given who trump is and how he has his history like it's it's just he's gonna not do one percent it's gonna be like fucking you know 50 percent of it's gonna go to nothing right yeah or the people who are loyal to him at this time well yeah and like they're gonna you know i'm presuming like they'll inflate shit whatever like consider it whatever it is that's like any bid will be grossly inflated and like these are all compounding issues all these issues with trump uh, and the way that he runs business and the government as a business and that he he 
has preferences for for his friends and for uh, the people close to him they're all being compounded by us dealing with this crisis that is allowing things to slip through the cracks slip through the cracks and no question and and it's kind of and i think that 500 billion dollar fund is about to slip through the crack if we don't all just pay attention a little bit and make sure that, well, that maybe we should somewhere tr- yeah maybe we should try to figure out how to get ourselves some of it yeah to the henry hops podcast 500 billion no i i take even one you're right, man. You're right. Let's not be overly ambitious. Let's take a uh, 0.2% of that fund, and uh, we'll just allocate it for this podcast. Man, I have a lot of good causes that I think we should do. And also, our website needs to move off of Tumblr. Def- definitely. Know? Yeah, that's the number one priority. That'll cost at least a million. <laughs> the way I'm going to build this the government. It's a million dollars I, I for this website. Like I can't tell you. million right there. <laughs> I mean, you do the What's budget, that? man. I got it. I'll back you up. It's expensive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do budgets every day. This is going to be my best budget yet. Do, okay. So. Last last thing on the economy. I, I do want to talk a little bit about the protests because I think that's important, too. But before we get to that, um, in the long term of the economy, like, how do you see this affecting the U.S. like years or decades from now? Like, I've seen tweets out of Australia where they're talking about in other countries us losing global superpower level. Um, and I don't mean economically, I mean politically and economically because the way we reacted to the situation. Like, we're no longer a leader, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that happened when Trump got elected. And I don't, I'm not saying that it's like a fun, like, super happy Democrat or whatever. Like, it just, it's, it, it just, you, you, you know, for years since he, it's almost been four years, right, that he's been president. And so you look at how he's been received in the world stage every single year. So, like, we, we lost that. And I think history will back me up. Like, that probably happened two, two or three years ago. Um, but this definitely compounded that. And as to the economy, I think we're fucked, man. Honestly. Like, it's really bad. And the reason I say we're fucked is not because we couldn't come back from this hypothetically, but it's because the Trump administration won't do enough. And, like... The, I think, honestly, the original New Deal, like AOC, look at look at that. AOC's got such good branding that now I got to call it the original New Deal. Think about that. I think I think AOC's you're the only got, one who feels that way, but I agree with it. I, I, I like it. <laughs> so the original, like we're not going to do, I mean, they are actually talking about a, some type of public works program. But unless it's as widespread and ubiquitous as the New Deal, like, we are going to fail. And it's actually going to cost us more in the long term. Just like the social distancing shit. Like, this crisis, both, like, medically slash scientifically and then economically requires, like, a shit ton of money and resources up front. And it will ultimately be cheaper in the long run. But I have a hunch that we're not going to actually give it that in either front. Yeah, I I agree with you, but I also think like we lose we lose legitimacy on the international stage because of our preference for nationalism over globalism, and it's it's like apparent to me in these threats to defund uh, WHO, for example, or who I guess I don't know how you no he didn't do it he talked about doing it and just even talking about doing it the idea that like during a pandemic we're talking about defunding the only organization that we have in place to fight global issues like this instead of talking about fixing it or like providing more funding so that this doesn't happen because the the who has like 2.5 billion dollar annual budget that's like the size of you know a really large hospital they should have more money maybe that would help the who's annual budget is actually 4.8 billion it just it just shows that we're not willing to take a role in global forces as much and when things like this happen it's apparent that we live in a global world you know and i feel like it makes us look yeah. stupid uh that, that we're not we are yeah, supposed to take the take the lead you're absolutely right and that is like not to get patriotic but that is kind of the america that i certainly grew up kind of thinking about i definitely uh, bought bought the narrative of american exceptionalism Although maybe that phrase is used for something else. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. But no, I, I think it is a form um, of American exceptionalism. I, I don't think we're saying. I don't think. I, I mean, I know that 
Not in a bad way. Yeah, I don't think either of us ever thought America was the best necessarily, but we thought that we were a leader on this global fund and that we would tr- we at least tried to do our best most of the time. And that's even that is we've probably as we've gotten older been more cynical about that, but I feel like we've always been behind the idea that like we should tr- we should try to be leaders in the global stage and like try to lead moralistically and we're not doing a good job. Yeah, and I think within reason, like, you balance that with just, like, not wanting to intercede, obviously. And I know this is not what you're saying, but, like... Yeah, of course. In other in other uh, free societies. Any, yeah, other countries should... Yeah, we don't, wanna, we don't but, want the CIA taking out dictators in South America. That's not what I was talking about. I just meant the idea that... Uh, <laughs> that... That we that we lead by policies. And certainly we're not leading by policies at this point. All our policies are broken and... Uh, if anything, they're they're uh, selfish, uh, and they, and, you know, like when we're seizing the three M supplies that are being sent to other countries, or we're talking about defunding who. Anyway, speaking of selfishness, yeah. so, uh, uh, to get back to the protests in Michigan, Ohio, and elsewhere, um, the right is complaining about churches, right, and and public gatherings, and rights being taken away, like the guns. I've said before, the left is complaining about courts. Probably to a certain extent, they're both right. The left more right because I'm on the left, right? Yeah, but like they're not complaining nearly as loudly. Oh no, That's they're not. Sure. They're not publicly protesting. You're right. I'm just saying, like, they're look. My my point is basically right now our basic rights are being suspended in a lot of ways, right? Of course. However, yes. I don't understand the argument that this is an unprecedented assault on our rights because I see this as very similar to rationing or a war draft. Where we we say Correct. that there's a huge societal need, and we say that as a result, certain rights are going to be compromised in terms of your ability to participate in society. So I don't see it as like yes. very different than those commitments, but I understand why people feel that way because we've never had something in our lifetime like this. Uh, and when when nine eleven happened, we certainly had the opposite reaction where it was like important to let the terrorists know we weren't scared. Letting the virus know we're not scared is not a tactic to fight the virus. That's how I've been living my life, actually, though. <laughs> is without really, fear? Give me one second. Hey, COVID, still ain't scared. Fuck you. Are you one of those people who waited until the last minute to find a mask? Sick of the usual? More concerned about aesthetics than functionality? Well, we've got you covered. Your face, that is, over at Ghost Halloween Store. We've opened our usually seasonal business early this year, and we've got all kinds of masks to help you scare away the virus. From horror classics like Jason and Michael Myers to our higher range creatures like Pumpkinhead and the Xenomorphs. Help enforce social distancing by terrifying those around you. So come on down to Ghost Halloween Store, located at the Tri-Corner County Mall. Warning, Halloween masks may not actually provide any medical protection. Masks may in fact inhibit your ability to see and or interact with the outside world. Also may unintentionally scare away small children and animals. Use as prohibited. So we're back. We're back. Anyhow, one. What's one good thing that you have to talk about? All right. Well, I got. I had two, so I'll, I'll mention both. Uh, my first one's a little controversial. Um, I'm going. <laughs> uh, it's controversial because I'm going to be talking about a potential drug that could help with coronavirus symptoms. And normally, I'd feel like it's good to share that information, but our president has kind of made it dangerous to talk about this kind of stuff because I'm not saying that this is definitively going to be the answer or that you should hoard this drug. And I'm not backing the president if he said that this drug was good because I think he has tried to back four or five different drugs. It seems like he's just taking any horse that might win the race. He'll lose 90% of those bets, but at the end of the day, he still won a bet. Well, it's like as long as he was set, was shown betting for the one that won, doesn't mean doesn't matter how many he betted on that lost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he can say that, that he counts. beat the scientists to it. He knew ahead of them because he touted it way too early. You just see him in his room, like, recording a, a voice clip for, like, every every single word that's, like, Kaloxcone <laughs> and Kloxoxone. Well, so, yeah, so this is actually one of the ones he mentioned. Um, uh, it's actually something that a few doctors that I know have been talking about for a little bit, which is uh, Remdesivir. Um, uh, and it recently... Okay, never heard of it. Uh, remdesivir is a, a Gilead science uh, antiviral medicine. Okay. And the University of Chicago Medicine recruited 125 people with COVID-19 into the two phase three clinical trials. Of those people, 113 had severe disease. 
All the patients have been treated with daily infusions. Only two have passed away so far, and these were all people who were like borderline about to pass away, and a lot of them have been uh, dismissed, uh, having been ostensibly cured. You know uh, that they're they're no longer symptomatic, that's, at least. That's insane. Yeah. So that's a really good sign. Now, obviously, that's a small study. It's not necessarily conclusive yet. Those people could come back in and be really sick. But it's a good sign because if we have a drug like that that works out, that means we can open the economy earlier and maybe alleviate some of these fears about this lasting you know, into late fall. Now to talk about something a little bit simpler. I read a story in The Guardian uh, this week. It actually happened, I think the story's from yesterday, that a 99-year-old war veteran raised 15 million pounds for the NHS staff. Uh, he, Saw that, yeah. Yeah, basically doing a walkathon around his garden where he did a hundred laps around the garden. It started out, he originally had like a ten thousand dollar goal or ten thousand pound goal, and then it went to seventy thousand uh, within the first twenty four hours. So then he proposed a million pound goal, and then he was able to get fifteen million pounds for the NHS, which is just great because although governments should clearly be taking the lead in donating, it's nice to know that civilians are financially backing people and through good campaigns you know well you know what i heard about that was that it was in the context of everyone fucking loving the nhs and i don't like obviously i heard what i wanted to hear but like i was surprised to hear it unequivocally in that uh stark of terms in those stark of terms right yeah i've definitely heard some of the opposition to that uh it the nhs is great i think that uh there should be more organizations like that i think they should get better funding and I think there's a lot of people in the British government who don't prioritize the NHS the way that some of the people do. Well, that was the issue, right? Why I needed so much funding is that it's been underfunded perpetually for decades. Yeah. I think it was also because this guy's a war veteran and he's a 99-year-old. And it was impressive to you know watch him walk, walk 100 laps. It's, it's something that's inspirational on every level of the story. You know, except maybe we should be paying him not to walk that much. That seems like a lot if you're a hundred years old. Yeah, but it's around his garden. You know, you got to get outside. It's good. It's good for everybody. Okay. Did he do it over the course of several days? Or yeah, it wasn't like one all at once. He did it like a, a you know, it took him like a, I think oh. it took him a, like a month. Oh, I was picturing him walk, walking a hundred times around in one. No, he over. just had to. He concerned. just had to hit a hundred at some point. Before he died. Oh, okay. That's and he's. I think he's still alive because I heard an interview with him. Yeah, and then his hundredth birthday is on April thirtieth. So everyone wish that guy happy birthday because he did a good thing. That's great. All right, so that's my positive. Well, that's so let's mine, let's go to the final thing: recommendations. What TV shows are you watching? What movies? What video games? We talked about Last of Us for a long oh, time last time, but I know you're finishing that up still. Oh, God. I've been thinking a lot about this game. It's just, it's very stressful. It's very stressful for me as uh, the only two games I've played recently were um, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 and Grand Theft Auto 5. And I recognize that they're both Rockstar games and they're both just like super open world. And I think what's challenging for me with um, Last of Us, which I, I love, don't get me wrong, but it's like there's only one mission that you're on. There's no choice, right? You can't go back and do another one and switch it up, which I love about yeah, the Yeah, there's nothing else movie. you can do yeah. in the game that will that will like alleviate the stress of this one mission that you're on right now. Exactly. So I like I literally walk away, right? I like die, I get frustrated, put the controller down. This is all while Hazel's taking a nap if anyone's judging me. So, anyway, um, what other are you watch? Did you watch any movies or TV shows in the last uh, two weeks that we should uh, catch people up on? Did we talk about Ozark? No. Yeah. I mean, you and I, I talked about that's Ozark. Very old. Not on here. Yeah, I I know we're like very late to the party, but um, we're 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 watching season one of Ozark. It's it's pretty fucking crazy. Very can it's like a lot. Ha- everything, everything happens in every episode. I don't know what that means. That's all. That's the only way I can. Fit. You I, know mean, what I mean, a little bit. I used to say that we mentioned the OC earlier this week in a private conversation, so it might just be on my mind. But I mentioned that the OC to me felt like if nine hundred two one zero, if like a season of nine hundred two one zero took place every show, so every episode was like an entire season of a usual soap opera, and that's why I couldn't keep going past two seasons because it kept it kept getting it more was and more. So fast, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I, that's how I feel. It's overwhelming. Okay, well, I mean, you seems um, like you're taking in a lot of overwhelming media right now. Maybe you should watch something a little bit more relaxing or like play something that's like. Oh, you know, what we started actually. Yeah, well, we finished every night with um, a couple episodes of The Office. You know, settle us down. The best. Yeah. It's just, it's just, we just loop on that show. Maybe we'll throw in. Uh, maybe after we we're getting close to the end, we're probably three quarters of the way through the the show so we're gonna probably maybe move to um some parks and recreation after this i don't know I haven't talked to sarah about that yeah well okay uh, this is a question i want to ask so this is probably something everyone's going through in quarantine is like we're all going back to like our go-to shows like the shows we put on when we just want something on in the background because like it used to be you just put on tv and you'd like when we, when we were growing up, you just put on a TV channel and you'd hope that something you want to be watch would be on to put in the background if you wanted to have something on like that. Right? And now you can choose. And yeah. now you choose. So you have like a rotation usually. So you just mentioned Office, Parks and Rec. What's the rest of your rotation? Uh, it's The Office, it's Parks and Rec, and it's probably 30 Rock, although I tend to shy away from that one these days. But it's the Yeah, I thought same. those were yours. So for me, it's The Office, Parks and Rec, for sure both those two always sunny and then recently uh new girls kind of been put in that mix and sometimes we'll do uh an alternative community or 30 rock um but it's like all within that range of like sort of like the nbc of our college years community was an excellent show that i would actually think would bear rewatching. it's on netflix now Really? Time to jump back in. Yeah, they just added it a few days ago, so. No shit. <laughs> the universe is calling to you. Holy crap. No, I, I love Community. I mean, Donna Glover, man. Are you kidding me? So good. I mean, Dan Harmon, too. I, I, his, of the course. genius of Rick and Morty was apparent long before that. Uh, okay, so I want to I talk about a, a, there's four big things in my life right now uh, in the last two weeks for, for quarantine entertainment. Um, the first one, and by far the biggest one in the last week, has been the Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm sure there's oh, yeah. thousands of other podcasts talking about this right now. But uh, that release date last Friday felt like Christmas in April for me and the few friends I had who were as obsessed with this game as a child. Uh, it's not perfect by any means, but it's a great companion to the original game. And it's easily the best Final Fantasy I've played in a decade. Like, it's um, the battle system's great. The graphics are great. I don't know if I'll still feel that way by the end, but I'm I, I'm really enjoying it so far. I would recommend it to you, Hunter, no. based off of what you said previously, but to anyone out there who likes RPGs, uh, specifically Japanese RPGs, or who played any of the Final Fantasies as a kid, it's a great homage to all of those things, and it does a really good job updating those, uh, at least the battle system from that. I mean, it sounds like an incredibly well-produced game, and... Maybe I'll get to it one of those days, but I'm in in the meantime. I'm super stoked that you're having a good time. It sounds <laughs> that's all I would hope for. Um, I'm gonna suggest Devs again, the show, because uh, it it ended and it was a great ending. Um, I said multiple times that I felt like this show was gonna be judged by how it all came together, like most other Alex Garland projects, and uh, it wrapped up much more coherently and elegantly than I expected. So if you like high-minded sci-fi, like uh, Ex Machina and Annihilation especially, because those are other Alex Garland projects, uh, check it out. Because it is it is it starts very slow, but it pays off big time at the end. Uh, next suggestion, uh, there's a show called Demon Slayer for any of my anime fans out there. Uh, it's a great anime show that's on Hulu. Uh, if anime is not your thing, this is definitely not for you. But <laughs> it's all those right notes. All right, are, tell us more. What's going uh, on? Like evolving powers, uh, demons, cool fight sequences, really weird humor. What kind of demons? All, all kinds, all kinds. I mean, I can't, I, I literally couldn't tell you okay. because it's so complex. They're kind of like, they each have different blood magics, which make them have different powers based on the person that they were before they were a demon. It kind of feels like if Sam Raimi directed a anime because it's that ridiculous. Sounds like what might get me into anime. It, it really played to my heart in the best way. Uh, and then my final recommendation, and this is just something that happened today, 
Today, the first Fiona Apple album came out in eight years. And uh, this is probably not a big deal for you, Hunter. Yeah. But it's a really big deal for me. Well, I already listened to the first two tracks. What did you think? Well, I mean, I love the beginning of the first song. Really just kicks you up and really is good. Um, I wasn't ready for, like, to give it my all. Because I was trying to feed Hazel and make dinner and just, like... You know what I mean? Like I just wasn't there. I know I understand I that entirely. Wasn't. Like I, I couldn't listen to it really until today. I knew it came out last night, but then I didn't have time to listen to it until today. And it, it is awesome. Like, I, her last album for me was like I in my top ten of the decade that I made up. Uh, that didn't get aired on this podcast, obviously. But if anyone's interested, I'll post that somewhere. Um, but this is an early contender for best album of the year for me, and uh, I don't even know like what to classify it as like eccentric soulful indie pop or something but it's amazing and if you like her stuff you'll definitely like this um like again it's not for everyone but like the final fantasy 7 remake and like demon slayer this feels like a huge gift for me so i feel like i'm despite you know all the badness going on in the world there's a bunch of cool things that are happening uh in josh's uh viewing world so that's cool. <laughs> I love it. I'm 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 there with you metaphorically, dude. That's great. Yeah. So so those are my those are my big ones. Final Fantasy remake, uh, Devs, Demon Slayer, Fiona Apple. Check those out. Have a beer. Stay calm. We're all in this together, and we'll talk to you next time. For sure. And maybe we'll have a friend or two. At a distance, of course. Henry, Henry, Henry and Hops in quarantine. Henry, Henry, Henry and Hops, it's everything you think you might have seen. It's not a podcast, it's more of a show. Really a lifestyle, I would say. Buy a better beer. Don't try to be a better human being.